Welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. You can find my work on thedraftnetwork.com. Also, climbingthepocket.com as well. There's a lot of fantastic work going up there daily, not just for myself, but for my colleagues as well. On the docket today, in honor of NBA free agency, I will go position by position of players that I think in the NFL that are actually worthy of max contracts. And I actually wrote an article on this on thedraftnetwork.com. Be sure to check that out. And it was a really fun exercise, and it really makes you appreciate just how much talent there is throughout the league. And I go position by position, and I'll get into that here in a second. But also on the docket today, it is defensive tackle day. I will talk about Auburn defensive tackle Derrick Brown. Alabama defensive tackle Raekwon Davis, and also South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. So those are the three prospects that we will talk about as I continue my 2020 summer notes on certain positions. But with that being said, I want to dive right into this free agency thing. And we're seeing just a bonkers amount of money being distributed uh, throughout the NBA uh, over the past two days. And with free agency starting yesterday, we have Kevin Durant going to the Nets and also Kyrie Irving going to the Nets as well. Still waiting as of... 7.20 p.m. Eastern Time. We're still waiting on Kawhi Leonard to make his decision. A lot of people are thinking or reporting that he's heavily leaning towards signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, while there are some others saying that he could go across town to the Clippers or go back home to the Toronto Raptors. So it seems like nobody really knows what's going on except Kawhi Leonard and his camp, but he is definitely the biggest free agent still left on the market now that Kevin Durant has decided to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. So with the free agent frenzy, in full swing right now, I want to dive into some players that I think are worthy of a max contract in the NFL. Starting at the top with quarterback. The one guy that I, the one guy that I said would be worthy of a max contract at the quarterback position would be Patrick Mahomes. He's fresh off with 50 touchdown and offensive MVP campaign. He really took the league by storm in his first year as a full-time starter. And him just being a first-year starter in a sense, even though this this was essentially his second year in the league because he backed up Alex Smith his first year as a rookie, for him to come out and play the way that he did and just set the league on fire, that really goes to show you just how talented he really is and how wrong a lot of people were about him when he was coming out of Texas Tech saying that he had a lot to learn, he wouldn't be able to play within structure, and just his arm motion was just going to be a huge negative that was ultimately going to derail his career if he did not change it. But with him picking up the pieces and sitting back and learning for a year, essentially, and coming out and playing the way that he did, I think he's fully worthy of a match contract slot without question with him being so young. And I know a lot of people are expecting a bit of a drop off and it's going to be hard for him to replicate what he did a season ago. But if he even scratches the surface of what he did a year ago, it would not surprise me if he is if he receives an extension in excess of two hundred million dollars this year or following the season. I should say this is the first year where he is eligible to sign a contract extension. And I think the first day that he is eligible to sign that extension, the Kansas City Chiefs will be very wise to ink him to that long term lucrative extension just because he is so important to that franchise. And I think he is by far one of the better players, not just quarterbacks, but better players throughout the league. And they just fell into a great situation with him with the 10th overall selection a few years ago. And Patrick Mahomes, he's just a special talent. And I don't want to I don't want people to really ridicule him too much if he does suffer a bit of a drop off this year, because it kind of is expected. You're very rarely going to replicate the type of season that he had and the stats that he put up. But he seems to be the real deal. The funky arm angles, the arm strength. The accuracy, he's just a complete package of everything that you want in a franchise quarterback. But other other candidates that I said could be eligible for a max contract, 
Tom Brady, of course, even though we're not really considering age with this project or this exercise, we're just considering guys in their prime. Would, would they be worthy of a match contract slot? Tom Brady, without question, would be a liable candidate for that. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, and Andrew Luck will be the final guys for the quarterbacks. For running backs, I had Saquon Barkley. I think this is an easy choice. Him taking the league by storm last year. Uh, no, number two overall selection from the 2018 draft. Just the way he came into the league. I know the pick came with a lot of scrutiny. A lot of people were saying that they should have taken the quarterback, which I do agree with. But his talent is undeniable. And I think he's already the best running back in the NFL. Just his size, his speed, his power, his contact balance, able to run through contact. He just has everything that you want in a running back. And he's not just a running back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be a threat from the slot on the perimeter and anywhere on the field as a receiver. Pat Shermer just had so much fun playing with him all over the field and putting him in optimal positions to flourish all over the field. So Saquon Barkley is a special talent. Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara were the other running backs that I thought were liable candidates for the match contract slots. And it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with Ezekiel Elliott with him coming up on his fifth-year option this year. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that situation. Also, they have to resign Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper as well. So maybe he's first in line. Maybe he could be last in line or maybe in the middle. Dallas is in a bit of a dilemma with him. But all these guys, they bring that versatility as a running threat and a pass catching threat, which makes them worthy of a max contract slot. Moving on to wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown. This was really hard to dwindle down to just two guys um, just because I only wanted to have two guys. Uh, on this, on this, for the purpose of this exercise, uh, DeAndre Hopkins just coming off 115 reception season with zero drops. That is just a phenomenal stat to me, and it go, just goes to show you just how talented he was and how underrated of a season that he did have. And yes, I know he was a first-team All-Pro selection, but the numbers that he put up this year, and to consider him having zero drops, I just think that's just a ridiculous stat. And Antonio Brown, I mean. The stats speak for themselves, the numbers that he's put up. He's a future Hall of Famer, and I know it's been a crazy offseason for him that ended up with him being traded to the Oakland Raiders, but I think he's still the best receiver in football. And DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Julio Jones are really right on his heels, in my opinion. But as far as what he brings to the table and just the dynamics before and after the catch, I think he's still the best in the business. Other options that I said, I said Julio Jones, of course, Odell Beckham Jr., Michael Thomas, who is going to sign a lucrative extension here probably in the coming weeks. And also Mike Evans, who I think is one of the more underrated players throughout the entire NFL. And receiver was one of those positions that's really hard to dwindle down to certain candidates just because there's so many viable options. But with those six guys, I think I have a strong core of guys that really are worthy of that match contract slot. And I will have no problems with paying any of those guys. Moving on to the offensive line, and this is another group that was really hard to dwindle down, but offensive tackle. I had David Bakhtiari and Tyron Smith, and there's plenty of other candidates that you could put at this spot. Trent Williams, Mitchell Schwartz, Lane Johnson, even Taylor Lewan to an extent. And this was really hard to dwindle down because Tyron Smith has been injured the past few years. Uh, he's been had, battling some bumps and bruises uh, throughout his time of the past few years in Dallas, I should say, that has kept him out. For a multitude of games, David Bakhtiari, who I think is a fantastic left tackle, and there's a fair case for him to be labeled as the best in the business. And there's just no worry with Aaron Rodgers' blindside, even though he has been battling some injuries the past few years, it has not 
been the fault of David Bakhtiari of Wiseman getting hit so much. So with David Bakhtiari and Tyron Smith, I feel very good about my bookings and paying them the match contract slot. With guards, I had Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson, who I think are by far the two best in the business. But David DeCastro is another option that could be uh, a replaceable option uh, for either one of those two. In that slot, Kevin Zeitler, Brandon Scherf, Marshall Yonda, and Shaq Mason were my other candidates at that spot. In center, we just talked about him a little bit earlier when I got him mixed up with his brother. Jason Kelsey for center. I think this is an easy choice for me, even though Travis Frederick could be another option here. Even though he did miss all of last season, I just have some worries with paying him there and his health situation. So we'll go with Jason Kelsey, who I think has resurged himself with the Philadelphia Eagles, and he has shown to be the centerpiece of that offensive line. He's at the epicenter of it all. He controls it all. And I just have no problems with paying him that max deal, considering that he's entering his prime. Also, another guy who could be a viable option is Alex Mack, who I think sometimes gets lost in the shuffle because he's playing with the Atlanta Falcons. And even though they had a bad year last year, I think he was absolutely elite uh, during their Super Bowl run when they did end up ultimately losing to the New England Patriots. Transitioning over to the defensive side of the ball. I think this is an easy one with defensive tackle, and this should be a consensus answer. If any group, this should be a consensus answer and a consistent name. Consensus name, Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox. I mean, Aaron Donald's stats speak for itself. Two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, four-time first-team All-Pro selection. He is just an unstoppable force on the interior, and you just talk about a guy that is a freak athlete and a future Hall of Famer already. He already has one of the better resumes of any defensive lineman that has stepped foot on an NFL field already. And everyone thinks the world of Aaron Donald and rightfully slow, rightfully so, I should say, Fletcher Cox. He's the anchor of the Eagles interior defensive line, just a massive human being that is relatively unblockable in a sense. And he is just the key cog in the interior of that Eagles defensive front, his combination of size, athleticism, and just how crafty he is with his hands and the moves that he executes on a weekly basis makes him an easy and deserving candidate. Some other viable candidates are J.J. Watt and also Akeem Hicks, who has had a really nice resurgence since his trade from the New Orleans Saints to the Chicago Bears. With edge rusher, you have Khalil Mack and Von Miller, and this is by far, I think, two of the best in the entire NFL right now. Both of those guys are just on another level from the predecessor from their colleagues around the league. And as you think about defensive end or edge rusher, I should say, in a sense, there's so many options that you could have put right here because you have Chandler Jones, you have Calais Campbell, Miles Garrett, Cameron Jordan, Joey Bosa, Demarcus Lawrence, Daniil Hunter, Jadavion Clowney, and even Frank Clark. So I think edge rusher is one of those positions that is so deep across the league right now. And a lot of teams will have no problems with paying any of those guys a match contract because every team that wins the Super Bowl year in and year out, one position that has remained consistent that they have at a near elite level is edge rusher. And with Khalil Mack and Von Miller, we've seen it already in Von Miller's career, the impact that he has had in the Super Bowl. And we saw last year with Khalil Mack and when he was traded from the Oakland Raiders to the Chicago Bears and how much he had an impact on that defense and helping them become the number one ranked defense in all of the league. So you have to have a near elite type of talent at edge rusher in order to have or reach those Super Bowl aspirations that your team is so trying to choose. Uh, with linebacker, had Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, and Darius Leonard. Three viable options there. I think all of those guys have what I like to call a versatile type of skill set and that they are dual threats and that they can defend a run and also be equally as good in pass coverage, which is an underrated factor in today's NFL considering 
how pass happy of a league it is. Darius Leonard, I think the world of him. He's a phenomenal talent, a player that I've had previous experience with in my coaching career when he was at South Carolina State. I saw him grow up as a young kid from 18 years old, being a three-time MEAC Defensive Player of the Year. So his success doesn't come as a surprise to me at all. Uh, I'm really happy for him, but other viable candidates at that linebacker spot. Uh, Deion Jones, we're hoping he recovers back uh, from injury that he had a year ago to be back in the middle of that Atlanta Falcons defense. C.J. Mosley is another viable option who just got a massive contract from the New York Jets. And also Jalen Smith, a player who a lot of people were excited about coming out of Notre Dame, but everyone knows that he suffered that knee injury. But it's really good to see him bounce back from that injury. Everybody's cheering for him to get that massive contract extension and just defy the odds coming back from that injury. Cornerback, one of my favorite positions and players throughout the NFL, Jalen Ramsey. I love his personality. I love everything that he stands for. I think he plays the position the right way, even though he has a gigantic personality. He just has that no-nonsense playing style that you love to see and that cocky, borderline cocky and confident uh, personality and swagger out there on an island when he is on the perimeter. And I expect him to sign a massive contract extension here in the coming years, even though the Jaguars said that they're not going to give it to him this year. If they don't give it to him this year, somebody's eventually going to give Jalen Ramsey that type of lucrative deal that he's searching for. And I think he's the guy that could reset the cornerback market and fully exceed everyone's expectations with maybe even reaching $100 million. I think he's the corner that could reset the market that type of way. He could blow the roof off the cornerback market just because of how talented he is, even though he has a big personality that a lot of teams will not welcome. With how coveted the cornerback position is is throughout the league and how important it is, it wouldn't surprise me if Jalen Ramsey ends up getting a big contract if it's not from the Jaguars. Some other team in the future is going to pay him. Another guy, my other candidate uh, that I chose for this spot was Stephon Gilmore, who was the exact opposite, in a sense, personality-wise from Jalen Ramsey. He just shows up. Gets the gets the job done, just goes home. And that's what he did in the Super Bowl. A lot of people wouldn't even recognize him without his helmet off. And some people have even never heard him talk before. So he just shows up to work, does his job, shuts down the guy across from him. And he just plays at an elite level. And I think he was by far the best cornerback in the league a year ago. Some other viable options, Patrick Peterson, Chris Harris Jr., Darius Slay, Marshawn Lattimore, Xavier Howard, Kyle Fuller, and Byron Jones. So there is a lot of elite or near elite, I should say, cornerbacks throughout the league. And then finishing up with safeties, we had Jamal Adams and Derwin James, two of my favorite players of any position across the across the league in general. Uh, Adams has quickly become amongst one of the league best at the position, his leadership skills, his extrovert personality, and just he oozes confidence. That's what I love about him, and that's something you have to have at defensive back because if there's one position that you're fighting an uphill battle with playing elite athletes across from you every single down it is safety and cornerback so having that type of confidence I love that he has it and he's had it from day one since he stepped on the field for the New York Jets Derwin James I mean the stats speak for themselves as soon as he stepped on the field for the Chargers he was an instant impact type of player a jack of all trades type of safety he should not be labeled with the position even though he is labeled as a safety he's played everything from defensive line to linebacker to nickel corner to outside corner to free safety to strong safety he is a jack of all trades type of safety and i was shocked that he slipped as far as he did in last year's draft and the chargers once again had an elite talent fall into their lap uh, some other candidates were eddie jackson malcolm jenkins harrison smith earl thomas and kevin byard those are the other safeties i think would be worthy of a match contract slot so 
that's just a fun exercise and something that I really thought of in honor of NBA free agency. And it's just crazy to see the discrepancy between NBA contracts and NFL contracts. And of course, NBA contracts being guaranteed are the large advantage over NFL ones, which just has a certain portion guaranteed uh, throughout their deal. So maybe we'll see in the new, new CBA coming up in 2021 how new deals will be structured or contracts will be structured. Uh, maybe the players end up winning and getting more guaranteed money throughout deals. I'm, something that, I'm sure that's something that will be addressed in the new CBA. But that's a fun exercise. But for right now, Here's a word from Blue Wire's newest sponsor. Once we come back from the break, we will dive into my 2020 Summer Prospect Series with Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown, Alabama defensive tackle Raquan Davis, and finishing up with South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. Let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We need at least eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool or your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time. In a crazy comfortable bed, sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase. A $300 value absolutely free. This offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. Continuing on with my 2020 Summer Prospect Series, it is Defensive Tackle Day. And we're going to start off with Auburn Defensive Tackle Derek Brown. This is a massive human being. Listed at 6'5", 320 pounds. He looks every single inch of it and every single pound of it as well fills out his uniform really good repping that single digit number which i find really intriguing and i know a lot of people don't like it when interior defensive linemen wear those single digit numbers but i actually like it and we didn't see an example of it last year i think ed oliver wore number 11 so he wore a smaller number but we've seen players in the past wearing those single digit numbers being interior defensive linemen we have another one lorenzo neal jr who was a defensive tackle from Purdue, who also wears a single-digit number. I believe he wears number nine, but that's another subject for another day. But to stand on subject with Derrick Brown, what are you getting with him? You're getting a guy that can be the key cog in the middle of your defense. Fantastic hand usage, very powerful, very urgent, loves to bull rush, and he is very versatile even though his size may indicate that he may just be a one-way player and that he's a really good run defender, but he's equally as versatile against the pass, against the pass I should say, even though he, he needs to develop some bit more moves as far as a counter move as opposed to attacking directly down the midline of offensive linemen. I think that's a big problem that he has right now. But as far as taking on those single blocks and those double teams and being able to hold up 
along the interior. He definitely has that. Reminds you a little bit of Linval Joseph from the Minnesota Vikings, even though I think he's a bit more twitched up than what he is as far as violence along the interior and how he can push the pocket. But from a size standpoint, he definitely reminds you of that. I love that he was a two-sport athlete at Lanier High School. He was very good in basketball, but his senior year of high school, he put up some just ridiculous numbers, 101 tackles, 26 tackles for loss, uh, 17 and a half sacks, which is an astronomical number uh, for an interior defensive lineman. He was all everything uh, his last year uh, at Lanier High School, number one of the top interior defensive linemen in the country, which transitioned over to Auburn where he was an immediate success. Um, he He's everything that you want in interior defensive lineman. I'll put it at that. And I was really surprised that he didn't declare last year. And I thought if he would have put his name in the hat of that defensive line class, he definitely would have been near the top. Would have been talking about him, maybe not in the elite tier like a Quentin Williams. Uh, but as far as being in that mix with Christian Wilkins and Ed Oliver and guys along that line, I definitely think he would have been in contention uh, with some of those guys. So uh, he has a fantastic story. I love everything about him. Just welcomed a newborn son into the world in January. So he definitely has a purpose behind everything that he's playing for. But the biggest reason that he said he wanted to go back was, of course, he wanted to receive his degree, which he is a business major. Uh, and also, of course, he wanted to provide uh, for everyone and finish. Now, I shouldn't say provide. He wanted to finish everything that he did start. Or that's something that he promised to his family. He wanted to uh, finish what he started and then eventually provide uh, for them once he was able to declare for the draft, but if he's able to continue or replicate the success that he had uh, his previous years, his pre previous three years there at Auburn, I think he's he's going to be well worth the first round selection. And he's a guy that definitely could fully take advantage of a senior bowl trip and really stamp his status of a first round selection, similar to what Amante Sweat did last year. And I think if he does end up going down to Mobile, down in Alabama, uh, very very familiar domains with him. Of course, he gets to stay in state. Not travel too far, just right down the road uh, from Auburn. So I think he's going to have a fantastic crowd there for him. He's going to have really good backing. And he's going to have a bunch of hype coming into the event because he's going to be one of the headliner names. So I'm really hoping he does accept the invitation down there and he does end up playing and participating in all the events. So keep an eye on Derek Brown, defensive lineman from Auburn. If he takes care of business, he's definitely going to be a surefire first-round selection. Staying in the SEC and transitioning over, to Auburn's rival in Alabama and defensive lineman, defensive tackle rather, Raekwon Davis. A player that a lot of people have had on their radar for a very long time now just because it seems like he's been at Alabama forever. And he's really waited his time in order to play. But the past few years, he's really flourished. And the player that he really reminds me of is DeForest Buckner. And I've made this comparison a lot since last year because I thought he was going to compare, or I thought he was going to declare, I should say, uh, following last season just because I thought he was ready and he showed everything that you want to see in the interior defensive lineman. I just love how long he is. He's 6'6", 310 pounds, looks every bit of it. Those long arms that you love to see, that leggy body, but he can hold up along the interior and he just fights and strains every single down along the interior. He plays so violent and that's something that you love to see. And he took a bit of a step back last year. So I was really happy to see that he did go back to Alabama for his senior year just because his numbers weren't as great uh, as the previous season. Uh, I believe he had 10 tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks as a junior or as a sophomore, I should say. And then last year, uh, in 15 games, he had five and a half tackles for loss and only one and a half sacks. So his numbers took a bit of a dip. 
And that's just because that's Nick Saban's scheme. And a lot of it was on him as well, playing a bit of a different position. He's playing more of a base end. Uh, his sophomore season, then transitioned to a true uh, three-technique defensive tackle role opposite of Quentin Williams a year ago uh, in that 3-4 defense. So he's playing a bit of a different role uh, in that defense from a year ago. So it will be interesting to see exactly where they do put him. Do they put him at Quentin Williams' spot or do they keep him at that more of a 5 or 4-I technique? or four technique, I should say, in that 3-4 defensive, um, 3-4 defense that the Alabama has incorporated uh, since Nick Saban has been there. And I think that's really where his role is at that base defensive end spot uh, in that 3-4 defense. So he's a guy that I'm a big fan of. I love everything about him, just the way that he's able to hold up along the interior. He uses his limbs to his advantage, and that's what you love to see along those interior defensive lines. He's able to stack and shed. He's able to stay clean. Uh, he fires off the ball, and he just loves the game. And that's something that he talks about. He's been through a lot during his career at Alabama. Don't need to go into detail about that. If you read his background story, you'll see that he has experienced a lot and not just out at Alabama during his upbringing in Mississippi uh, when he was there uh, growing up in the East Mississippi neighborhood. So he's been through a lot, as I alluded to earlier, and he really is a legend at his high school, had a fantastic career there. Uh, he's under the tutelage of a guy named Demetrius Hill. And if you have never heard of Demetrius Hill, he is a legend in Mississippi high school football. He set every single defensive lineman record. He had 142 tackles, which is crazy to think about from an interior defensive lineman. So he's had some really good role models in his career, even though he didn't have a father uh, coming up. He's turned to Demetrius Hill now coming up. So it's really good to see that he has him in his ear, not just in, from an on-the-field standpoint, but he has somebody to look up to from an off-the-field situation as well to keep him in line. And if he's able to stay in line, it would surprise me if he's another guy uh, just like Derrick Brown that could beat that first-round selection where we're looking back a year from now and talking about him. And I'm a big fan of Raekwon Davis, and I can't wait to see just what he has in store during his final year in Tuscaloosa. And he's another guy that I would love to see down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and he definitely could take advantage from the week of practices there. And standing out in the game there and outshining some of the guys that he could be going up against, I think that could stamp his status as a first-round selection. It is an all-SEC slate today, and we're finishing up with Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina, after talking about Raquan Davis and Derrick Brown and another guy that just has a fantastic story. And if, you, if there's one defender that you're looking at on the South Carolina defense, and they have a lot, uh, that are draft eligible this year, even though they did lose a lot. They essentially lost their whole secondary. But Javon Kinlaw and a host of other guys that they do have in that Gamecock defensive unit, I think he is by far the best of the bunch, in my opinion. And this unit hasn't had a first-round selection since Jadavian Clowney in 2014. I believe it was. And Kinlaw definitely could be the guy that does break that streak. And I don't think there's going to be a prospect in this class that really has a better story than what he has, a guy that really was homeless. Essentially, growing up, it was just him and his mom, and he went back and forth, moving from state to state. So he's one guy that you're going to love to have on your team because you know he's going to cherish the game. He's going to love everything about it. And he is going to he's going to feel that every moment and every down is precious. And that's exactly how he plays. If you turn on the film and if we're sitting down looking at the film of the South Carolina defense and we're not targeting Ken Law at all and we're just looking at that defense as a whole. It will take you a couple snaps to ask just exactly who this guy is. Of course, just like Derrick Brown is another guy that wears that single-digit number, the number three jersey number across the front and back of his chest. 
along the interior defensive front, but he plays so hard every single down. And that's what you love to see, especially out of interior defensive linemen. What you get, the guys of his size, 6'6", 320 pounds, is that they sometimes take plays off. And that's not what you're getting with Kinlaw. He treats every down as if it's his last. And he has a bit of a ways to go as far as his hand usage. I think that's the biggest weakness in his game right now. Uh, Very long arms, powerful hands, but he just doesn't know what to do with them right now. And you'll see some of his strike zones that I like to call it is that they're so inconsistent. Sometimes they'll be in the chest of blockers. They'll be on the shoulder pads of blockers and even lower than that. So he just doesn't know exactly where to stack and shed at or just where to target uh, those blockers. But as far as the total package that you get with a defensive lineman and a multiple piece of clay, Javon Kinlaw is definitely that. And his name isn't getting a lot of buzz right now, but it's starting to generate a little bit and his hype train is starting to pick up a little bit. But during the season, I think that's really where it is going to take off. So keep an eye on Kinlaw. He's another name in the SEC of this interior defensive lineman that I think could have a plethora of first-round selections, just like Raekwon Davis and Derrick Brown. And Ken Law is just another name uh, in the example of SEC defenders as a whole that could be first-round selections. But that is the show for this week, and I hope you guys are really enjoying this 2020 Prospect Series because I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's just brief overviews of some of the prospects that I'm going to continue to shed light on as we continue this this series, in a sense, on the Draftboard Podcast. But once again, I am your host, Jordan Reed, and I just want to thank you guys for listening to the show. Just like every other week, I'm going to get some guests back on. I know it's a bit of a dead period for college football and the NFL right now. Everything is all NBA and Major League Baseball because that's where most of the headlines are coming right now. But I promise we're only 10 Sundays away from the NFL. We're getting really close to college football, so things in this podcast will start to pick back up as well. So just hang tight. I want to thank you guys once again for being faithful listeners. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That is the show for this week. Subscribe. Give a five-star review. Thank you guys so much.